jai ananta goti vaishnavinda ki jai namacharya shilahardas dakho ki jai prince kaho shri krishna chaitanya prabhu nityananda shri advaita gadadhar shri vachati gaur bhakta vrinda ki jai shri shri radha krishna gogopina shaima khanda radha khanda girigovadana ki jai shri vrindavan dam ki jai shri manipur navadita ki jai Jamuna Maya Kijaya, Dhamma Maya Kijaya, Hari Nam Sankirtan Yogya Kijaya, Dhanta Chima Bhagavata, Tulsi Maharani Vinda Devi Kijaya, Brihamadanga Transcendental Book Distribution Kijaya, Transcendental Prasadam Distribution Kijaya, Samaveta Bhakta Vrinda Kijaya, All Glories to the Samal Devotees, All Glories to the Samal Devotees, All Glories to the Samal Devotees, all glories to Shishi Guru and Goranga. Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Gopi Janavalabha Girivaradari Gopi Janavalabha Girivaradari Ashodanandana Brajajana Ranjana Ashodanandana Brajajana Ranjana Damuna Kiravanachari 
All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Goranga. Namo Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimati Bhaktivedanta Swaminiti Namine Namaste Saraswati Dev Gauravani Pracharine Nirvesesha Sanyavadi Pasyatadesha Tarine Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya <coughs> Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya 
Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So thank you all for coming. Today's class in the beautiful Bhagavatam by Krishna Dwapayan. It's the 10th canto, 38th chapter, verse 40. Bhakta Stephen, Prabhu, could you get me some water? I'm always a little thirsty in the mornings. <coughs> and I think what we're going to do is just finish the chapter if we can. We're, all, we're very close to finishing the chapter, so we'll just... Uh, yeah, it's only like three verses, so let's see if we can get uh, through the chapter. Oh, thank you, Namruji. Very kind of you. <clears throat> so we're, we're chanting, is that 40 that's on the board? Is that, is this verse 40? Tashmai Tashmai Pritya Ramaha Parama Dharma Vit Mukha Vashar Gandha Malyahi Param Ritim Vyadhat Punaha Tashmai Buktavate Pritya Ramaha Parama Dharmavit Mukha Vashair Gandha Malyahi Param Pritim Vyadhat Punaha Tashmai Buktavate Pritya Ramaha Parama Dharma Vid Mukavashar Gud Gandhamalyahi Param Pritim Vyadhat Punaha Tashmai Buktavate Pritya Ramaha Parma Dharmavit Mukav Vashair Gandhamalyahi Param Pritim Vyadhat Punaha No takers?
Others? Very good. Thank you. Tashmai. Remember, what does tashmai mean? Tashmai. When we say tashmai, Sri Gurave Namah, tashmai means unto him. Unto him. Buktavate. Who had finished eating. Pritya. <clears throat> Affectionately, Ramaha, Lord Balaram, Parama, the Supreme, Dharmavit, knower of religious principles, Mukhavashahi, with aromatic herbs for sweetening the mouth. Gandha with perfume, Malyahi and flower garlands, Param the highest, Pritim satisfaction, Vyadhat arranged, Punaha further. Translation When Akrura had eaten to his satisfaction, Lord Balaram, the supreme knower of religious duties, offered him aromatic herbs for sweetening his mouth, along with fragrances and flower garlands. Thus, Akrua once again enjoyed the highest pleasure. So I'll say, and you can repeat. When Akrua had eaten to his, to his satisfaction, <clears throat> Lord Balaram, the supreme knower, of religious duties offered him aromatic herbs for sweetening his mouth along with fragrances and flower garlands. Thus Akrura once again enjoyed the highest pleasure. Oma Gantimarindasya Gananjanan Shilakaya Chakshur Unmilitam Jena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Sri Chaitanya Manovishtam Shtapitam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rupakada Mayam Dadanti Swapadantakam Banchakopaturubhyascha Kripasindupevacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha so, once again, this first verse, <clears throat> very interesting. And if you remember the scene, Okura had traveled a long distance. He's traveled uh, to see Balaram and Krishna. He's coming to Vrindavan. So now he's arrived. And along the way, he was thinking so much about when he arrived, what it's going to be like. He's thinking, oh, Balaram will be there. You see? He will embrace me. Krishna will come and put his arm around me. As I offer pranams, Balaram will grab my folded hands and pull, him, pull me towards him. 
and then he'll take me to his house. You see, so Balaram has done just as he had imagined. But along the way, Akura wasn't thinking about <clears throat> steering his chariot or staying clear of this ditch or watching out for that. You see, he was thinking about this moment that when he would get to uh, have the association, the personal association of Krishna and Balaram. You see, of course, we can have the personal association of Krishna and Balaram. We can go to Vrindavan, and there is Krishna and Balaram. You see? So some people wonder, well, why did Krishna, or we speculate, Krishna probably decided to put the, the deity of Krishna Balaram there just because it's Vrindavan. But actually there's, there's, uh, there's story we can see in the Bhagavatam. When you go to Vrindavan, you should seek out Krishna Balaram. You see? And they're there. <clears throat> actually, Siddha Prabhupada said... That there's no need, I'm looking at this picture of, of uh, Krishna Balaram Mandir here on the wall. And Prabhupada said, there is no need to go on Parikrama. There's no need to go outside these walls, speaking of Krishna Balaram Temple. He said, everything you come to Vrindavan for is right here. It's a very, very special place, you see. So, Akura has found himself in Vrindavan after so long... Of traveling, and he wasn't really thinking so much about the road. He was thinking of this moment. We would be too if we know we're on our way to meet Krishna and Balaram. You see, we would be thinking, we would be in trance, we would be in samadhi, thinking of what it will be like when we get there. And as we see, uh, this is unfolding exactly the way Akura predicted it. He knew what brought Balaram would take him to his house. You know, Balaram says, oh, you, you must come to my house. And Balaram has fed him opulently, you see, uh, very, very opulently. And, uh, and now we see that after that, <clears throat> after he's eaten to his satisfaction, now Balaram is giving him some herbs to cleanse his mouth, palate cleanser. And he's giving him fragrances, probably giving him some, some very special oils, you see, and wonderful flower garlands. Can we imagine... You know, if, if Lord Balaram gave you a flower garland, what would it smell like? It would, it would make you unconscious, you know? We would be fixated on the garland. You know, we wouldn't be able to focus on anything else. You see, would, everything, everything we can see here is, an, is ultra first class because it's administered by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna Balaram. You see, it's ultra first class. So, uh, again, uh, we, we, we have to analyze what is happening. The Lord is showing an example of how we should receive one another. You see, it's not that, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not that Krishna and Balaram are thinking, hey, look, we're, we're real special. Akura, you've come, so you should, you should do something special for us. I mean, after all, we're God, you know. So you should be groveling and you should arrange some feast for us. The Lord's demonstrating, no, you receive a guest in your home. You should offer like this nice food stuff, some palate cleanser, nice garland, place to sit. Lord Balaram, in the previous verse, he even washed his feet. He washed a, a crew's feet, you know, which would be rather embarrassing if we... What's, 
when we get back home, back to Godhead, Krishna and Balaram are going to want to greet us this way. You know, it's not like, it's like I was saying Saturday. It's not like we're just going to go and, <clears throat> and, and move in. <clears throat> we achieve liberation. We go back to Goloka Vrindavan. We're not just going to move in, you know, and start to blend in with the neighborhood. And after a few days, we'll maybe get to see Krishna. You know, it's not like that. It's not like uh, if you move to Washington, D.C., you know, you may move into Washington, D.C., but that doesn't mean you get to see the president. You see, you may never see the president. And even if you try to go to some gathering, <clears throat> it's very difficult to get anywhere near the president because of all the other people that want to see him. Uh, the spiritual world isn't like that. You have direct access to Krishna. And Krishna is the first one you're going to see when you go back home, back to Godhead. You see? You're not going to move in unnoticed. Krishna is waiting. He's been waiting for this moment uh, for millions, billions of years. So many millions of births. Krishna is waiting for the moment when you'll return. It's a very joyous moment. You see, it's going to be very festive to Krishna and Balaram when we return home back to Godhead. You see, Akrua is coming back to Vrindavan. This is... This is showing. What is it like when you return to Vrindavan? Krishna and Balaram are there to greet you like that. You see. Uh, Akura is their old dear friend. But so are you. You're a dear friend to Krishna. Krishna is your dear most friend and you're his dear friend. You see. Krishna. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Because of his potency, he doesn't have to uh, uh, adhere to the laws of the material world. In the material world, if I'm going to pick a favorite, like if I'm going to pick my favorite devotee, I have to pick one. Maybe it's you or you or whoever, you see. You can't have two favorites. We all know that. That breaks the laws of the material nature, you see. But Krishna, he doesn't follow those laws. To Krishna... All the innumerable living entities, all of us, are his favorite. Every one of us is his very favorite. Every one of us has a very special part that we play in relationship with Krishna. And he misses it very much, you see. We've been gone on our trek looking for something that we can enjoy aside from him, you see. And it's been a long, long time. So... Krishna is very patient, and he knows we're coming home. But he would like to speed things up if he can, you know. Because he and Balaram are waiting to greet you in this, in this very way. This is a preview, you know, like sometimes they have these, what do they call them when they're, when they're showing a movie? Trailer. They have these, yeah, they have these trailers of a movie. And it's, it's like previews of coming attractions. This is what... This is what this movie is going to be like, you see. This is a trailer for your return back home, back to Godhead, you see. Now, we may think, oh, boy, I'm going to be so embarrassed. I don't want Krishna to make over me like this, you know. I, I'd rather just kind of sneak in and look at him from the distance. But it's not going to be like that. Krishna is eager to have us back. Krishna is eager to embrace us, you see. Krishna and Balaram are planning a dinner like this for us. They're planning 
Uh, it's, it's actually to them because they transcend time. There's no time in the spiritual world. You know, time only applies to this material world. But to them, it's going to be very, very soon. It's any second. To us, it may be, well, let's hope it's the, the end of this life. But even if it, it could, whatever, if it was 10 lives, 20 lives, you see, to us, it's going to seem like a long time. Even if, it's, even if we have to wait till the end of this life to go back home, back to Godhead. And we can do that if we bear down. We can, we can make that. But even if it's that, it's a long time to us. But to Krishna and Balaram, it's any second, any nanosecond, especially to the devotees of Krishna, you're about to go home. You're so close. You're about to go home. You know, it's kind of like uh, <clears throat> when we travel. Uh, you know, you get ready for your trip. It's like when I was going to India three months ago. Uh, I, got, I started getting ready for my trip. You know, maybe a week or so in advance, I figured out, well, I'm going to need some of this. I'm going to be there three months, so I'm going to need three months' worth of vitamins, and I'm going to need three months' worth of this, and, you know, whatever. And you have to figure out, well, it's going to be uh, kind of cold there when I get there in February, kind of cold in the morning and evening, so I need to take winter clothes, and it's going to be warm later on, so I need to take something. So you, you start to plan your trip, you see. And then all of a sudden, it gets time to go to the airport. So you go to the airport, and you're, then you've got a long way to get through. You know. Then all of a sudden, they're calling your flight. They're saying flight number 293 or whatever is boarding. So now it's time to get on the flight. So it may seem like it's going to take a long time. When you start planning your trip, it seems like, oh, that's next week. It's a long time. But then it comes down to the point where it's time to get on the flight and time to go. And that's where we are as devotees, as devotees of Krishna. It's boarding time. You see, your, your flight is about to leave. It could leave at any minute with you on it. It's your choice. If you choose, I want to go. Yeah. I mean, we all have our ticket. You've all been deputized. Srila Prabhupada has brought this science of bhakti yoga to the Western world. <clears throat> and we've all come in contact with it. We're all authorized to go back home, back to Godhead. Now. Right now. We can go anytime. You see. So it's like that with us. It's like they've called our flight. It's boarding time. So it's time for us to get on the flight and, and go back to Godhead. So this long journey is coming to an end. Krishna and Balaram are waiting. Any second now, you're going to be back. And they're planning a, quite a, a festive uh, reception for us, you see. So we should see our lives as, as, as preparing to go back home, back to Godhead, you see. In the beginning, we may not take it so seriously. But as time goes by, we start to get caught up in the realization that this is really happening. I'm going back to Godhead. Krishna is, is, is taking me back home. I've been given the uh, authorization to go. I have, it's like having, you have our ticket. You have a ticket back to Godhead. You've chanted the holy name and performed devotional service. If you've taken initiation from a bona fide spiritual master, you have your ticket. You have your boarding pass. You're, you're, it's, you're ready to go. It's up to you, you see. When it comes time to get on the flight to go to India, 
you've got your ticket, your boarding pass, it's, it, and they're boarding, you can change your mind and say, no, I don't want to go. I think I'll stay, you know. I think I'll stay here in America. You can do that. You can do this with uh, your trip back to Godhead. You can say, you know, change my mind. I'm going to stay. I don't know if I'm ready to let go of my material attachments yet. You see, I've got too much baggage to to take on the plane. (laughs) You see, we have a tendency to think like that. So this bhakti yoga is a process of letting go of the material attachments, the things that will hold us back, the things that will make us consider that perhaps I don't want to go, you see. Because I think I I still have the consciousness that I might be able to squeeze a little bit of enjoyment out of this material world. You know? I really think that it's just like having a stone and you're squeezing it, trying to get some juice, some nectar out of it. And I really think that if I squeeze this stone hard enough, I'll get some really sweet nectar out of it. Although I've been squeezing it all my life and I've never been able to get a drop, but I think I can if I just try harder and longer you see that's the typical consciousness of the materially uh, afflicted living entity we think that I can somehow or other find some enjoyment in this material world you see so I'm, I want to I know I want to go back to Godhead but but maybe not maybe not now you know maybe later <laughs> you know give me a rain check you know? So, uh, so that's the situation. I'm going to move on to the next verses. Are there any questions or discussion at this point of what's going on with Krishna and Balaram and Akrura? <clears throat> Text 41. Bapracha sat kritim kritam nandaha. Katam sta niranugrahe Kamse jivati dars dar dasaraha Sonapala ivavayaha Translation Nanda Maharaj asked Akrua, O descendant of Dars Dasara, how are you maintaining yourselves while that merciless Kamsa remains alive? You are just like sheep under the care of a butcher. It's very interesting the way uh, Nanda Maharaj has put this. <clears throat> Nanda Maharaj is there in the assembly, <clears throat> and he wonders, gee whiz, you've just come from the, the grip of this demoniac King Kamsa. How, are, how is everybody faring? What's going on? You know, uh, is everybody maintaining themselves okay? He's wanting to know, is everybody there? Are they okay? You know, Kamsa, he's a real jerk. He's, he's really giving everybody a, a hard time. And this is very interesting. He, he says, you are just like sheep under the care of a butcher. You know, sheep under the care of a butcher. <clears throat> Which describes all of us in this material world. We're under the care of the president or the senate or the house of representatives, you see. Are they looking out for our well-being? 
they would like you to think so because they want your vote, you know. But are they really? No. No. If they truly were, then, I mean, come on. We're, we're all intelligent people. If the people that were supposedly looking out for our well-being, if they truly were, we would have perfectly pure water coming out of the tap. We wouldn't have to go buy purified water. I mean, this could be done. This is a piece of cake. With the money they have and the resources they have, they could do this. It's not a priority, you see. Utilities would be either free or very inexpensive. Foodstuff would be plentiful. There would be none of these, what do they call them, the GMO? Yeah, genetically modified, what does the O stand for? Uh, genetically modified, uh, whatever, plants. You know, So they wouldn't allow that. And you think, well, why would they? If they have, and I, I hear they have proof that they're bad for you, <clears throat> then why can somebody grow them and sell them? Because those people have more money than you. They can hire lobbyists, you see. You're under the care of, of people who are looking out for themselves. In the material world, everybody we turn to, we first of all, the living entity has a tendency to turn to the government. Please help me. I need somebody to cast my faith in that will take care of me and look out for me, you see. So then we find out from the government that's not the case. They're not really looking out uh, for my best interest. And we realize, you know, with, with, with you guys, this is like being under, I'm a sheep under the care of a butcher. You know, you could slit my throat at any time. You're not looking out for my my uh, benefit. So at this point, with this realization, now I'm wide open for an, the next charlatan that's going to tell me, well, here, my dear sir, I'm looking out for you. You should eat like this and you should do like this. I'm looking out for you. After all, I have such credentials. I've worked at a health food store for five years, so I know everything you need to know. So what I want you to do, my dear sir, I want you to buy this product. You buy this product and it will make you feel good. It'll take those nasty uh, chemicals out of your body and it'll cleanse you. And it's only yada yada X number of dollars, you see. So you've, you've gone from the care of one butcher to another butcher. Do they really care? Do they, do they really know? All of them are looking out for themselves. And what are they looking for? What is, what is the motivation <clears throat> in the material world? <clears throat> Four motivations in the material world that make the living entities do things. Fame, profit, adoration, and distinction. You see, this world is uh, ruled by vaishas. The Vaishas are driven for profit. Everywhere you look in this age, the Vaishas pretty much took over. Uh, when, uh, when America declared its uh, freedom from the king, back in the, uni the uh, Revolutionary War, George Washington and 
Samuel Adams and Benjamin Franklin. They were guys that wanted to get rich. They were vices. They wanted to get rich. They were tired of being taxed to death. So here they are in America, <clears throat> in the, the new world, and they decided, you know what, if we overthrow the king and get him off our back, then we can prosper. You see? So we want to overthrow the Chutrias. We're Vaishas. We don't like the Chutria rule. You know, the, the Brahmins had already been pushed aside by the, by the Chutrias long ago. So now the world is, is uh, being ruled by monarchy. And for the first time in history, the Vaishas said, we don't like it. We want a chance to make money. And this America, this looks like a place for us to get rich. And we're willing to let everybody that comes here get rich, as long as we can get rich, you see. <clears throat> so they overthrew the king. So the Vaishas pushed aside the rule of the, the Chatrias. The Chatrias are no more in charge. So now it's the Vaishas. It's very important for us to realize the world, I have to repeat it to myself and the people all the time, the world is ruled by Vaishas. Everyone is looking to get into your pocket. Everybody. Every piece of advice you get from anybody is profit motivated. What I'm trying to say is, my dear Prabhu's, don't trust anybody. Don't trust the guy at Whole Foods. Whatever he knows, he's whatever he thinks he's no, he knows, he's motivated motivated by somebody that wants to sell you their product. I mean, for crying out loud, they're they're traded on the New York Stock Exchange. Do you know what that means? If you're a, if you're a public company, and you're on the New York Stock Exchange. That means that at the beginning of the year, the brokers on Wall Street can say to you, hey, you know what? You're not making enough profit. We're going to have to downgrade your bonds. You know? Because we think that you should turn a higher profit. So then you've got to go out and whatever. You may, you may have started your business thinking, I want to do the best for the welfare of everybody. And now you've gone public, and now you've got, for you to maintain your position, you could be kicked out. You could be, you started the business, but you could be thrown out if that Wall Street broker is not happy. And if, and if it gets out to the shareholders that you're not doing your job, you're out. You're gone. Your history, your toast, you lost your company. So they've got to squeeze more profit. And if I have to lie to you, I'll do it, you see. That's why I say, don't trust anybody. Trust what you read in Srila Prabhupada's books, you see. Don't trust the doctors. In America, the doctors want you to... Uh, they, they, what, what is it, what is the, how do the doctors make money in America? By treating you. Now, is it monetarily intelligent... Is it smart for my profit if I cure you? No. If I cure you, you're out of here. I'm not going to see you anymore. You may send me a postcard, you know, or a Christmas card and say, gee whiz, Doc, I was, I was suffering and you, and you cured me. It's not set up that way. Don't trust them. They're here to cure you. I mean, to, to treat you. 
They don't have a cure for cancer, but they have treatments for cancer. So many things they don't have cures for, but they have treatment for, you see. I notice when I go to our hospital, Bhaktivedanta Hospital in, in uh, Mumbai, I go there every year for a checkup slash tune-up, you know. And the doctors are struggling to cure it. They want a cure. You know, they give, they give me medicine and they give me treatment and I go back next year and they take last year's, it's, it's really wonderful, they take last year's tests and they take this year's tests. And they say, hey, look, your blood sugar's down. Wow, you followed the diet, you took your medicine, you got your exercise. Blood sugar's normal. We don't have to worry about that. We fixed it. We don't have to treat you for it anymore. You see? Your prostate is, is doing well. We're not, we don't have to treat you for it. It's getting cured. You see? It's a different mindset. You don't necessarily get that anywhere else because these poor men, they have, a, they have a tremendous overhead, you see. I'm not saying that they're snakes. They're, they're driven by profit. They need it. This is America. The Western world is driven by the need for profit. And if I need profit, it's like Prabhupada says, why does the, why does the businessman wear a, a mustache? You've heard that, haven't you, Mishra? Why does the businessman wear a mustache? Prophet says to hide his smirk when he lies to you. For you, my dear friend, I'm making no profit. Yes, yes, please. This is a very good deal, you see. So, uh, we, the inhabitants of planet Earth at this particular time, are like uh, sheep that are in the care of a butcher. Everyone wants you to be uh, profitable. Every, the, uh, the business community, um, the, uh, uh, the rulers, the president and the, the Senate, and the, uh, they're, all, they're all fed money by uh, companies. And everybody wants you to be profitable. Everybody wants you to have money because you'll spend it on their stuff. I've heard people say, well, what they want is they want us to all be, they want to take everything. No, they don't. They want you to be fruitful because they know you'll spend it, you see. I just heard that they've come out with, first of all, um, I went to India a few years ago and I was gone like four or five months and then I came back and I had to go to Walmart to do some shopping and I noticed that every television at Walmart was a flat screen. Now when I left, there were still some of the old ones, you know, with the, the real big thing in the back. The two, well, I don't know if they had tubes. Or, but you know, the, had the big back. So most of them were like that. You see a few of the flat screens. In a few months I was gone, there, you couldn't see the old style TV anymore. It's, now it's all the flat screen. And so people were spending money like crazy for, for them. Well now you can get them really cheap. They're really inexpensive. You know. So They've, they've recovered their cost of uh, research and development for the product. And now, like for, um, I'm staying with Mother Linda, and she was telling me that her, her son and daughter just got a 48-inch a flat-screen TV, high definition, for a little over $300. 48, you know, I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. 
<clears throat> a few years ago, something like that would be twelve, fifteen hundred. You know, when it was first introduced, a high definition, four foot television. You know, uh, that's got everything. It's as good as it's it's as good as a TV as you can get. Uh, you know, there would be. I don't know. I I, I don't keep up with it. So yeah, seven, eight thousand. Then they got down to where you could get one for twelve, fifteen hundred. Now. 300 bucks, you know, and it's an RCA, $300. Now, they've recovered their cost of uh, research and development. The cost of making these TVs has gotten down, but you know what they're doing to get more of your money? You know what they've done? They have a new one that's coming out, and it's four times the pixels of the, of the, the 1080, the 1080 pixel that's the the big dog now right so they've got one that's four times you see so the the picture is going to be four times better and they know that no matter how fascinated you are by these big high definition TVs now that you're going to buy them and now they're selling for about 6 grand and in a few years they'll be down to 12 or 1500 then they'll get down to 300 then they'll have something else you know how many iPhones do they have? What do they have now? The iPhone 5? Why do they have 5? Because you'll buy them. They're going to come out with a 6 as soon as they can because you'll buy it. You see? We're going to keep paying you and we want you to do well. We want you to prosper because you're going to throw it right back in our pocket. That's America. You see? We're like sheep under the care of butchers. Who the heck is really looking out for you? The devotees of Krishna. We're the only ones that are looking out for the world. Now, some people might say, well, that's a really bold statement. You know, isn't there anybody out there? You know, what about Mother Earth News? You know, they're looking out for us. They want to teach us how to garden. They want to make a profit. They're driven by profit. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying they're material. You see? People driven by profit can't always tell you the truth. You see? I have to put a spin on it. I have to manipulate you. Because I, I need your money. That's, the, that's what drives the world. Cash flow. You see? Until you get Krishna's devotee. Krishna's devotee is looking out for your well-being. There's no charge. We're not look. We're, you know, you, you should give money to the temple, but so many people don't. You know, so it's not like you're going to be turned away if you don't. Huh? The devotee simply wants to save you. You see, the devotee is actually looking out. It's the nature of the devotee to look out for uh, all living entities. We care for all living entities. <clears throat> That's why, you know, uh, sometimes I talk to people and they're, uh, as I travel around and they're wanting me to, uh, uh, they want to get my opinion about a special interest group. You know, there's, you see a lot of that on the internet. People who are, they're for special interests. You know, uh, women's rights, children's rights, animals' rights, gay rights. You know, I want you to focus on me. What do you think about that? They asked me. 
What do you think about this? And I say, I'm for all of it. I think all living entities should have rights. I don't think we should carve out one section. I think the politicians, you know, the butchers whose care we're under right now, and the businessmen, I think they, should, they have rights. I think we should look out for them. We need to try to save them. You need, they, they need a change of heart. They're not going to get it from simply spinning their wheels in the material world trying to enjoy. They can only get it if they come in contact with Krishna's devotee. You see? Just as we have. We've come in contact with Krishna's devotees. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a prayer. You see? So, uh, yeah, I tell people all the time, I, I'm not, I don't subscribe to any special interest. I'm for all of them. All living entities. You know? It's just like some people... Right now, what we're seeing is um, uh, in the Western world is um, uh, there's, of course, sexism is dying out. That's being conquered. But we see speciesism. There's a lot of speciesism. What does that term mean, speciesism? It means I'll take this cute little calf and I'll slit its throat, but I'm going to pet this cute little dog and give him, it's just like I saw a picture on the, on the internet of uh, uh, this lady that had put uh, pajamas and, and house slippers on her, on her dog. You know, she wants her dog to be comfortable, so she's put house slippers and pajamas on her dog. So, in other words, I'll take care of this species here, but this one here I'll murder. I'll kill it and eat it. I'll consume it. I think squirrels are cute and lovable. I think we should never hurt squirrels or dogs. But you can kill all the cows and pigs and chickens you want. I'm a speciesist. I'm prejudiced over one species over another. Although I'm fighting for women's rights or gay rights or children's rights, I'm a big phony because I'm a speciesist. You know? I will let you do anything that you want to, to to one species, but you better not hurt my dog. Doesn't make sense, you see. This isn't um, humanitarianism. This is not true. It's um, it's a charade. It's it's a scam. It's an illusion. You see. How can I trust you? that you're a good, loving person if you're going to try to pull that on me, that, you, that you'll let them kill the cow, but you won't let them hurt a dog, you see. I, I'm very happy that you won't let them hurt dogs. I think that's very, very human of you. But that you'll let them kill the cow means there's something terribly wrong in your consciousness. You're, you're not really a human being. You're not a civilized human being. Okay, so we're describing most of the world. We're not dealing, when we're not, if we're not dealing with devotees, practically speaking, we're not dealing with civilized people. They're uncivilized. And they're wearing, it's just like uh, uh, the wolves when they're sneaking up on the sheep. You know, sometimes uh, what is the thing that they show the wolves? Uh, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. A wolf dressed like a sheep. 
you see, he's sneaking up on the sheep, dressed like a sheep, so that he can pounce on the sheep and kill them and eat them. So we're in a world like that. We're in a world of people who will come to you and they'll tell you they're a spiritualist. They'll tell you, I, I'm, I am very spiritual. I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. How, how do you be, how does that work? You know, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. It's ridiculous, you see. We hear it all the time. You know, as we travel around, I meet people all the time. They'll say, they claim to be a spiritualist. And they think of themselves as being very spiritual. But yet once in a while, even, and they, they even may tell you that they're a vegan. I'm a vegan because I don't like the way the farmers mistreat the cows. You know, it's terrible. Uh-huh. You know, the way they milk the cow. Uh-huh. But once in a while, they've got to go have a burger. You know, they've got to have a hamburger because they've never given up the desire for it. They just wanted to be a member of an organization or a club. I want to be able to tell people I'm a vegan. So you'll think I'm civilized, but I'm really not. I don't know how to be civilized, you see. The devotees are civilized. So therefore, we need to be civilized and teach other people how to be civilized. You see, we need to civilize the world. We need to have mercy and kindness on the rest of the world. So if there are no questions, I'm going to finish up these last two verses and we'll finish up the chapter. Text 42. Yo Swasus tokan, Kroshantya asutrip kalaha, Kim nu sweet tat prajan, prajanam va, Kusalam vim srad, Shramat shramahe. This light is, is not good. To get in the light, I have to get the book so far I can't see it. <laughs> Translation. That cruel, self-serving Kamsa murdered the infants of his own sister in her presence, even as she cried in anguish. So why should we even ask about the well-being of you, his subjects? Now, what's Maharaj Nanda saying here? He's saying, you know, this cruel Kamsa, he's, he's even, he, he, he murdered the children of his sister while she's begging him. She's crying. Please don't do this. Don't kill my children. But he did that. So why should we even ask about the well-being of you, his subjects? We know that if he's treating his sister in such a way, that he's not treating the subjects very nicely. So we know you've got to be suffering. Maharaj Nanda is, is recognizing there's no, there's no need for me to ask how you're doing. I'm only asking how you're doing just, out, just to be uh, kind. But I know you're not doing well under the rule of Kamsa, you see. And, and it, we're seeing this in, in this day and age. The difference with now is that at this time, 5,000 years ago, the demons were at least a little bit more honest. Kamsa wasn't pretending to be a nice guy. You ever hear, you ever read anywhere where Kamsa was making campaign promises? are trying to win votes. Kamsa was a demon. 
He knew it. He wanted you to know it. I'm a demon. You don't mess with me. You know? You step into some really deep stuff when you mess with me. It's like off with your head. Look how I treat my sister. I'm killing her kids while she's begging me not to do it. And you're going to mess with me? I'm a demon. And you better know it. Okay, we're, we're ruled by demons today, but they're acting like really nice guys. You know? We've got a president of the United States who says that he's for this and he's for these. The, I'm for your special interest group rights because, you know, there's a lot of votes over there. And I'm for you because, and I'm against that guy over there because a bunch of you don't like him and his right. As a matter of fact, I think we should take his rights away because that'll make you happy and you will vote for me. You see. So I'm manipulating like that. And then I show my true color. There was a news thing that came that I saw where uh, the president, President Obama, endorsed the morning after birth pill. The, it's like an abortion pill. You know that pill? If you, he endorsed it to be sold over the counter to ladies age 15 and up. So in other words, if you're 15, 15, can you imagine? I mean, we can all remember when we were 15. What, what was our decision-making ability at that time? We were fools, you see. But yet the president says he thinks it's, it's okay for a girl at age 15 to make the decision whether or not to have sex and then whether or not to kill the baby with a pill. And if she should be able to walk up to a counter in any drugstore in America and buy those pills, no questions asked. However, if she wants to buy beer, she's got to be 21 years old. You, you're, you don't have the intelligence to make a decision whether or not to buy alcohol until you're 21. But at age 15, we're going to say that you can make the decision on whether or not to have a, uh, a sex life and kill a baby. Now, legally, you're not even an entity. Pretty much, you have very little rights until you're age 18. You can't vote. No one can, can even write a contract. Your signature is useless until you're age 18 in America. It's rubbish. It means nothing. You cannot make a promise to anybody. I mean, you can, but nobody can hold you to it. If you're age, age 17, you can promise and sign, you can sign anything. If, the, if I'll give you a loan or a credit card or whatever, I can't prosecute you. I can't collect. It was illegal. You have no legal right until you're age 18. But the president says, I think you should be able to make these decisions about killing babies. <clears throat> When you're 15, why not 14? What does he want here? You see? Why does he do this? Because <clears throat> he gets a lot of votes. You see? This is demonic. And yet, you know, if I'm a member of some special interest group that it seems like he's favoring, I'm going to say, what a great guy. 
Well, what about this, uh, this part over here with the 15-year-old girls? Well, I'm not going to look at that. All I know is he's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting a blinder on that. All I know is it seems like he's helping me in my special interest. So whatever he does over here, oh, that's kind of okay. You know, I'm just not seeing that. You see what I mean? So we're in this, this is the nature of this Kali Yuga. Huh? All of our lives, it's been that way. We're not going to get a really good leader. It's, it's not going to happen. I don't care what he promises. Now, of course, we've seen that the, the president has met with Radhanath Maharaj. He's received Bhagavad Gita. I still don't trust him. Now, if he reads a Bhagavad Gita and starts, starts to lobby for Bhagavad Gita, then I'll, I'll get behind him all the way. I'd, I'd give him my vote if he would do that. You see? But we can see that his receiving of Bhagavad Gita is having no effect because he doesn't understand abortion. He doesn't understand that it's not good. I don't know about you, but I can't trust anybody that can condone abortion. I can't trust anybody that, can, can, that would protect a dog and let somebody uh, slaughter a cow or a chicken. It's not just cows we want to protect. We want to protect chickens and pigs and, you know. We think that all living entities have rights and that we, we should protect all living entities, not just the cute and warm and fuzzy ones. So, this uh, text 43, and this will wrap up the chapter. This will finish the 38th chapter. Itam sunritaya vacha nandena su sabajitaha akraha prapritsina java adva parish pramam. Translation Honored by Nanda Maharaj with these true and pleasing words of inquiry. Akrura forgot the fatigue of his journey. Thus in the purports of the humble servants of his divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, to the 10th canto, 38th chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled Akrura's Arrival in Vrindavan. So being honored by Nanda Maharaj, Akrura, uh, he's listening to Nanda Maharaj at the end. At, keep in mind, he's just been given tremendous greeting by Krishna and Balaram. He's been fed opulently. He's been giving... His feet were, were washed by Lord Balaram. He's been given uh, ecstatic scents, smells, garlands, some nice herbs to clean his palate. And now Nanda Maharaj is, is, has been giving him kind and soothing words. So Akrua, he's not thinking about the fatigue from his journey, you see. He's not thinking, oh boy... I'm so tired, I'd sure like to go lay down. You know, why don't you show me my room and I'd like to turn in. You know, he's not thinking at all like that. Of course, thinking, I could stay here all night. I could stay here for eternity. It's one of those moments that you just don't want to end. You know, you're sitting there with Krishna and Balaram and, uh, and feeling very wonderful in their association. And the fatigue, whatever, is not only the fatigue of the of the journey, he's not thinking about how... Uh, horrible the rule of Kamsa has been he's not he's not there to whine he's there's no pity party happening all he knows is he's at the lotus feet of Krishna and Balaram and Nanda Maharaj 
and everything is wonderful. You see, we should be thinking. We should have that realization more often, at least speaking for myself. I know that I should. More often than I do, I should be appreciating uh, where I am and who I get to associate with. You know, can you imagine the, the opulence that we have? Any day we want to, we can come and have darshan with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. You see, we can offer some service. We get to associate with his beloved devotees and offer some service to them. We can hear from them and inquire, you see. It's like I was saying earlier, if we meditate on it and realize that we have a ticket back to Godhead and it's boarding, the plane is boarding, it's time to leave. Now it may be a few years, a few months, a lot of several years, but it's not going to be long before we're out of here. If we choose, if we choose, we can always delay the trip. You can always get to the airport. If, you, if you're going to get on the plane to go to India and all of a sudden you change your mind and say, I don't want to go, nobody's going to make you. You know, you're going through security. You can go back. They're not going to stop you. So if you want to, you can delay your trip back home, back to Godhead, and roll the dice and see what you get next birth. And, you know, so no one's holding the gun to your head. We can do that. But let's not be foolish. Let's go for it. It's within our grasp. We can do it. You see, Krishna makes the promise that I will carry you. You just, I just need you to surrender. Krishna's just, that's all I need. Just give me the surrender and I'll do the rest for you. You first of all have to surrender. What does that mean? Surrender. Give over to Krishna. Let him take over. He, he wants to. He wants to do it for you. He promises so many times in Bhagavad Gita. Have no fear. Do not worry. Do not fear. I will deliver you. I just want you to surrender to me. You know. In other words, I want I want to be your special interest. I want you to, I want your interest to fall on me. So much so that you're it's like Akura. He's focusing on Krishna and Balaram and Nanda Maharaj. He's not even thinking of the problems of his life. Living with Kamsa I mean, what a horrible thing to, to live under the rule of Kamsa, you see. So we as devotees should be so focused on Krishna and service to Krishna and Guru and going back to Godhead, we don't even see this nonsense that's going on in Washington or, or wherever. If we're noticing this garbage, then that's a flaw. You see, we're being distracted. Let's not be distracted. Now, someone may say, yes, but all these special, these things have to be addressed. Be a devotee. Be a devotee of Krishna. That means you're for everybody. You're for everybody. You see? You don't have to pick out just one and lobby for that. Just be a devotee. How do we fight the spread of uh, the uh, genetically modified food? Distribute Prabhupada's books. Make everybody devotees. That's the surefire method. 
We can walk around carrying signs if we want to and win a few people over. Be a devotee. Be as good a devotee as you can be. Get other people to chant Hare Krishna. You know? How do we watch out? How do we uh, protect animals' rights? Be a devotee. Get people to become devotees. Distribute books. Get them to come to the Sunday feast. You know the game. You know, you know the drill. That's how we do it. Spread kirtan. Get everybody to participate in kirtan. You're so good at that. Just think, you're changing the world. You're so humbled, you don't know that, but you're changing the world, you see. So that's how we do it. We focus on who we are and what we do. What is our gift to society? It's been given to us by Krishna and Guru. You see, we're, dep we're deputized. We're authorized to save the world. So I'm going to pay any attention to these fools that are out here with some special interest or whatever. I can understand someone, uh, and I keep picking on the ge genetically modified, you know. I, I think it's a good cause. How do, we how do we work against it? I want these people to become devotees. Devotees wouldn't do this, you see. That's the, that's the medicine. You see, that's the cure and not just the treatment. That's the true cure to become a devotee. Okay, so uh, any questions or comments? If not, we should wrap it up. Okay, thank you all. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Sadamasu Chintamani 
प्रकर
कल्पवृक्षन खाब्रतेशु सुरभीरभीपलयंतम चिंतामणि
Thank you. 